Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and I'm Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. On this show, I get to talk to people that we love and admire, or some that we just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path and what maybe have gotten in their way, and how they brought others along now that they've arrived. Hey. So here at The Cut, we've been doing a lot of coverage on hip-hop, turning 50, and celebrating where the genre is today. We've had covers this year with Glorilla, Young Miami from the City Girls, and we've talked about up-and-coming artists like Sexy Red and Ice Spice. Ski is one of my favorite songs of the year, so we had to, right? And on this episode, we'll hear from Bevy Smith and Deborah Lee tell us what hip-hop turning 50 means to them. Bevy Smith has always been tuned into the culture and was incredibly instrumental in platforming hip-hop artists in her roles at Vibe and Rolling Stone. But being a Harlem native, she was able to take us back to the early days and, of course, her fondest memories. I have to ask, since we're doing a ton of uh, 50 years of hip-hop stuff at The Cut, obviously yes. um, you have been a big part of hip-hop being in culture the way that it is. Um, we did Glorilla earlier this year. We did Ice Spice. Mm -hmm. We just did uh, Carisha on a cover. Um, did you ever think hip-hop was going to be as big as it is today? Well, so... I'm from Harlem. Hip-hop starts in the Bronx, so mm -hmm. and that's, like, literally next door. So I'm there at the beginning. So hip-hop is my music. So when I, I tell people all the time, me and Oprah are only 10 years apart, but she's a different generation, mm -hmm. totally. Like, we can't... Like, musically, is we have nothing, you know. But my niece is 28, and I'm 56, mm -hmm. and we see each other musically. Mm. And it's hip-hop that's the connective tissue. So when I was a kid, I knew how it made me feel. And then as an adult, like, you know, as a young adult, I was a hip-hop hottie. <laughs> slaying the tunnel. Slaying the rest, slaying all the things. And all the hottest rappers. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. I was that one. I was that girl. I was everywhere. I was an Instagram star before there was an Instagram. I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. But then I go into Vibe. And that's when my fashion world collides with my hip-hop hottie world. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. Because at Vibe, I then get to go with artists to Paris and 
and introduce them to brands and people and all of that, yeah. right? And so I'll never forget when Emil did Little Kim for the cover. Never forget. Ever. And um, he had Donatella Versace make her custom thing, but he wanted her to wear Blonix. And ironically enough, they just couldn't find any shoes in Manola Blonix. And then um, Imam was the beauty editor at large at Vibe at the time. Uh-huh. And he lets Iman know this. Iman calls Mr. Blonick himself. And Mr. Blonick sends over. All of a sudden, there's a boatload of shoes from <laughs> Blonick. You know what I mean? Right. But I knew that we were... I knew that hip-hop was going to be huge because I saw from the beginning how it it electrified people, how it inspired people. Mm-hmm. And I saw through all the different changes... The one thing that was the common thread was that it was an undeniable music of the people. Mm. And anything's for the people yeah. is always going to resonate. Um, I hate that we're going backwards on the on the money part of it, though. In artists making less yeah. money? Mm. I hate that we're going in the ba- backwards on that. But I like that we are seeing more of the artists take control of their brands mm-hmm. and their branding. I'm very happy to see that because yeah. for many years we were just sitting around trying to get free sneakers from somebody in a, a jean suit. So, <laughs> a jean suit. I, baby. <laughs> Deborah Leem saw the genre evolve from the streets of New York to the screens of our television. When we had Deborah on the podcast, she talked about her memories of hip hop's evolution during her time at BET. This year is also 50 years of hip hop celebrations, which um, BT was obviously so instrumental yeah. in and just, you know, putting a lot of the hip hop artists and giving them the platform that they deserved. So can you tell me about when you first started broadcasting hip hop programming and music and, and what that that felt like in the beginning um, for you? Well, I always say when we first started, I joined BT in 1986. Uh, they were already showing videos, but they were videos by Earth, Wind & Fire and Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston. Um, and so all of a sudden, here comes hip hop. And we started a show called Rap City. And um, I think in the early days, you know, think of LL Cool J and some of those early uh, uh, rappers. And, you know, it was good hearted. It was fun. Um, and then came, came gangster rap. And we had to deal with, well, do we show guns on the air? So we we decided to blur out all the guns, try to stick with hip-hop, even though it was changing. Um, And then the negative images of women started. And that was a tough time, especially after Don Imus called the Rutgers a female basketball team, something horrible. And then his people criticized him. And then his response was, well, the rappers call them bitches all the time. Why can't I call them bitches? And so that put more heat on the music industry and BET. And we were sort of seen as the conduit for hip hop. I mean, you know, MTV had Yo! MT Raps and they were showing some of it. But when the criticism started, it was it was leveled at, at BET. So that's when we started the uh, standards committee and started being uh, tougher on videos. Um, 
And R&B was still kind of there, but not as popular. Um, so it was a really tough time, especially since so much of our programming was based on videos. Um, but then, you know, the, vid- the rappers started growing up. Jay-Z, Ludacris, Nelly. I would look at the front row of the Hip Hop Awards and the guys had on suits all of a sudden instead of basketball jerseys. Uh, They had wives with them or girlfriends. Beyonce was there. Kim Kardashian was there. And the first time I noticed that, I was like, wow, we may be able to get out of this. (laughs) You know, they're having daughters of their own. Uh, They're focusing on other businesses. And it made me proud. That seeing that site and how many of these guys turned into business people really made me proud. And they were always great to me. They would call me the queen and, you know, Buster Rhymes would bow when I passed by. And I would go to the Hip Hop Awards to show them that a black woman was in charge. And then one time I went, maybe after about five or six years, and I looked around the room and I was like, this is not getting better. It's still 90% male. And I just said, I'm not going back anymore. I was like, I'm 60 years old. I'm too old for this. And that's when I started leading women to find. I said, I'm going to get women together and we're going to talk about something other than hip hop lyrics. But it's hit 50 years. And, which is incredible. And I had goosebumps just like everybody else when the Grammys did that tribute uh, mm-hmm. to 50 years in hip hop. It was so authentic and so real. And, you know, it's part of our culture. And, you know, we either had to keep putting pressure on them to um, do better, but it's not going anywhere. You know, early on, people thought it wouldn't last, but it's here with us 50 years later. And it's, yeah. it's really incredible. So Deborah isn't alone in her feelings on reckoning with the way women are represented in hip hop. And it's something that we've talked about a ton on The Cut. When we come back, we'll hear a conversation on the Vulture podcast about how we grapple with misogyny as the art form turns 50. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So as we reminisce on the impact of hip-hop, we can't ignore the sexism that's always existed in the genre. We're not seeing the bigger picture, which is that hip-hop needs to be seen as something that is, you know, as beautiful and as creative and as innovative as it is, it is still something that still has its flaws. And the major flaws um, have to do with women and queer folks. That's Kiana Fitzgerald. She's a hip-hop scholar and journalist, and she recently published a book all about hip-hop at 50. My colleague Sam Sanders over at Vulture talked with filmmaker Dream Hampton to unpack. With all that hip-hop has given to the culture and the world, how do we reckon with misogyny and homophobia? Here's their conversation. Have there been any parts of this anniversary celebration of hip-hop so far that have really just felt the most, I don't know, problematic to you? Like, I keep thinking of these instances of, like, middle-aged male rappers Mm -hmm. hanging out with 
law enforcement or like former law enforcement. Like, mm. you know, you got KRS-One freestyle rapping for Mayor Eric Adams, a former mm-hmm. New York police officer. You got Little Wayne singing Mrs. Officer <laughs> in front of Kamala Harris, yeah. who during her time as AG in California was known as California's cop in chief. It feels weird. Were there any moments for you that you were like, oh, my God, this is not right? Oh, man. Well, those are two great examples of me being like WTF. Like, what is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is actually happening in yeah. my face? It's yeah. especially for, you know, a genre that is so, you know, like NWA, F the police. Like, you know, this is something that we are very, very aware has been deeply involved in hip hop since its beginning is this aversion to police and being avoidant of them and being critical of them. So it's like, you know, these decades later, what's what is that about? Like what are we what are we really doing? I remember watching the Grammys and perusing social media as one does during those events. And um Dr. Dre was presented with the Global Impact Award. I know everybody in here probably knows this already, but this is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Make some noise for hip hop. Yeah. And it was like, oh, so we're really um, celebrating outright an abuser who has admitted to his abuse. And that's just kind of one example of an artist who has been championed year after year, decade after decade for really making these huge impacts on hip hop, but not really tipping the scales in order to say, well, this is what he's accomplished, but this is also what harm he's done. And that conversation happens here and there in certain pockets of the internet, but it doesn't really happen on the the stages and it doesn't happen in the performances. It doesn't happen mm. in, you know, the the places where more people will see it and hear it. It's more critical pieces that don't get the attention that an award show or something like that would have. Yeah. Well, and when you think about all these now middle-aged legends of hip-hop who are being honored in 2023, all their early stuff was really mean to women and gay people, and they never had to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. You know, Tribe Called Quest had a song about date rape. If she tries to flirt, that's when you start to diss her. If she's with the program, that's when you start to kiss her. Might as well get to the point. No time to wait. Might as well break the... KRS-One had a song that was kind of slut-shamey, you know... Jay-Z, Biggie, Tupac, they all had lyrics that were demeaning to women. And over time, everyone just forgot about it. You know, (laughs) there was never an answering for that. They just kind of stopped doing it. Yes, exactly. When you say Jay-Z, I think of Girls, Girls, Girls. I think of Big Pimpin', um, which is one of my favorite songs because UGK is on it and I love UGK. But, um, you know, Jay-Z pretends like those songs don't exist anymore. And Mm. it's like, well, we remember, you know, the videos are out there. It's still on streaming. Like it has not gone away. But I think as these artists mature, they kind of come to terms with some of their material and they're like, ooh, that wasn't a good look. Maybe I should just pretend like it doesn't exist. And that's not how the world works. That's not how the internet works. (laughs) And people have very long memories. So I think in their efforts and their attempts to kind of reconstruct their own histories, um, they're doing more harm than good because at the end of the day, we know what we heard. We know what we saw. So it's like, just because these events have gone by and they've they're 10, 20, 30 years old now doesn't mean that they that they never happened. Yeah. I want to talk about this kind of weird dichotomy of women and hip hop. Mm-hmm. Hip hop has generally been mean to women, but women have also always been there for hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, even the first 
party that was believed to be the start of hip hop and hip hop DJing, this DJ Cool Herc party. Um, it was his sister Cindy's party. Mm-hmm. The party where hip hop started, a woman threw the party, right? Like exactly. how symbolic is that? <laughs> um, knowing that and knowing that history, if you had to sum up hip hop's relationship to women in 30 seconds or less, what would you say? <laughs> hip hop has been very unkind, to say the least, to women. It has, from the very beginning, um, tried to ostracize them, tried to make them feel like they didn't belong, tried to make them feel like if they were involved, then they, that they should be lucky to be there. And not only that, the women who were included were told that they had to look a certain way, that they had to dress a certain way. Mm. There were so, so many parameters that were involved in the policing of women in hip hop that are still existent mm. today. And I think that's why we've seen this, this explosion of hip hop artists currently, um, who are women and who are really just not able to take the microphone and say, Hey, I'm here and I'm going to tell you about my experiences and the way that I've lived it. I think all of these elements that have kind of been thrown together in this, this great melting pot of hip hop. It's an exciting adventure for women contemporarily because of all the walls and the barriers that, that have been broken. But at the same time, they're standing on the shoulders and on the, you know, the halos of some women who will never get the, the credit and the acclaim that they deserve. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when I ask this question about how hip hop treats women, it's also a question about how hip hop treats queer people, mm-hmm. which is maybe even worse. You know, mm-hmm. I remember it wasn't until I was in high school and I'm 39 now. It wasn't until I was in high school when rap kind of decided to stop saying the word faggot. Yeah. Like that was a big deal. And even then it kind of stopped, but you still don't see queer rappers prominently in the industry. No, we don't. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, As I was doing research for the book, I heard so many F-words, so many F-words. And I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, I did not, like, I knew that it was, you know, prevalent, but I didn't know that it was that of a- Everyone was doing it. Everyone, everyone. Literally, the people that we respect to this day were doing it. It's mind-blowing how just- how cavalier people were about it, how it was just like something that rolled off the tongue very easily. And I was just like, wow, this is frightening to hear. So I'm glad that we're in a place where it's not as weaponized, but it still is very much present. But um, yeah, I feel like today we don't have nearly the amount of queer artists and representation that we could have. We do have, you know, the the people who are very visible, like a Lil Nas X. And then we have other folks like uh, Cakes Tequila. We have Ra Ra Gabor, who I love, who identifies as gender fluid um, from New Jersey. Um, there are so many artists who are like creating at every level of the genre, but they're not given the resources. They're not given the attention, the, the, the developmental attention that they need to become the artists they could be. They're really just having to go out here and just get it how they live by themselves. And that does not always equate to art that is appreciated on a global level. So I can only hope that in the next 50 years, not to sound cliche, uh, but I hope that, you know, as we move forward, that it will become much more inclusive, that it will become much more diverse in every single way that is utterly possible. Because hip hop, Hip hop is all about giving voice to the voiceless, which, you know, as journalists, we know that phrase very well. But for people outside of our profession, 
That's what hip hop has become. It's become this very, very instrumental tool to help people to turn their lives and their experiences into mm. something bigger, something relatable, something that anybody could listen to and say, I feel that I've been through that. So that doesn't just come down to straight men. You know, that's not how mm -hmm. that's not how the world works. So I can only hope that moving forward, we will see much more inclusivity. I want to talk about some of the rules that have existed for women in hip hop mm. and if they're changing, especially in this moment where we have so many women rappers kind of dominating. But it seems like when women have been allowed to be a part of hip hop and rap, there's been a certain script they've had to follow. Mm -hmm. um, they have to be co-signed by some male rapper oh, or some male-led crew. And then they could be the only woman in that crew. Mm -hmm. And then they'd have to fight rumors that they slept with the crew to make it mm. their entire career. I never fucked Wayne, I never fucked Drake. All my life, man, fuck's sake. And if they were good lyricists, the thinking would always be that some man was writing their lyrics for them. Mm. And on top of all of that, they had to be hot, dress sexy, and dance. Mm. It was kind of wild. Like, yeah. every woman in hip-hop had to do all of those things and still wouldn't be respected by the men of hip-hop. It, how much of that is still the case? Has it gotten better or or, or worse? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I will say that it is unbelievable the standards that women are held to when compared to their, their male contemporaries. Um, mm. I, gosh, even just, you know, working in hip hop media um, for as long as I have, I've, you know, been in offices where we've brought in artists um, of all kinds and the men come in and they're, you know, they look how they look and they they talk mm -hmm. how they talk. And it's like, all right, mm -hmm. you're just here to be here. And then the women come in and they're pristine, they're dressed, they're wearing heels, their their makeup is on point. They're talking like they've been through a media machine. Like it's so different. It's so markedly different the way that they have to present themselves. So to your point about the history of women having to be attached to a man or a male crew and then having to jump through all these hoops additionally, that. I just thought about Lil' Kim. I thought about Nicki Minaj, um, you know, two of the most championed women artists um, in hip hop. I thought about them and I thought about what must they have gone through that we don't even know. We just see the the surface level. We just see the the optics of it. And we're like, ooh, that must have been very hard to deal with. But there's probably so much more that that they've never talked about. On top of that, I would say in current times, I feel like it's very exciting for me personally, just to kind of observe the way that women are coming into the fold. You know, we have Scarlip, um, who is getting co-signed by male artists, but not necessarily connected to a male crew. Fly on a boss. Christ, I'm about to sin again. I said I love you to that man, but I'm not feeling it. I'm made of sugar, spice, connect, cologne, and cinnamon. Me and my bestie are the same, like a synonym. Uh, who are just Love running that. around and has, yeah. having a great time working with Missy Elliott already. So we have these these new um, crops of characters who are coming up and they're not having to necessarily be attached to these, these old antiquated tropes and these old ways of thinking and living and moving throughout the industry. So I think right now is probably the most excited I've been in a very long time when it comes to new artists. And you know, we don't even have to say new women artists or new female artists, like just new artists. I'm just super excited to see these women like picking up the baton and running with it, literally. <laughs> yeah. You know, I look at hip hop now and I see two big trends. All the men are like in a bad mood 
Travis Scott's <laughs> in a bad mood. Drake's in a bad mood. The dude's in a bad mood. And the women are having fun. Mm-hmm. Cardi's having fun. Megan's having fun. Nikki's having fun. Doja's having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're topping the charts, you know. Their songs are getting all the radio play. And part of me wants to say, oh, this means the women have won. But I'm not sure. Because when I look at what these women have to do, mm-hmm. it's still so much more than the men. Yeah, Cardi B has to be a stand-up comedian on top of just <laughs> rapping. Yeah, Megan The Stallion has to be the most beautiful woman in the world. Doja Cat sings and dances and raps mm-hmm. and is a weird girl and is an art girl. <laughs> yes. And the boys just get to sit there and mumble. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so in that reality, should I say, look, the women won? Or should I say, damn, it's still not fair for the women? Oh, my God. I'm just like, you just kind of blew my mind because I'm like, on the one hand, yes, the women are winning and it's so much fun yeah. and I'm having the time of my life. But it's yeah. also like, at what cost? Like, mm-hmm. as you said, they're having to do so much and carry so many burdens and maybe not even necessarily traditional burdens, but burdens nonetheless of having to, you know, outperform, out outlook, out rap, out this, that, and the third. Like women mm-hmm. have always had to do this, but I think now it's it's probably just become so standard to us to see women accomplish and go leaps and bounds above everybody else because <laughs> that's what they've always had to do. So mm. I'm glad that you brought up that dichotomy of, you know, they're winning, but why are they winning? Like, is it because they have to go above and beyond and, you know, surpass everything that a man has ever done in this industry? And I feel like if women artists really did sit back and think about all that they do, they'd be like, man, why did I have to do this? Like they would, it's one of those things where it's like, you go mad if you think too much about this specific topic. And yeah, yeah, and we, we know that very well. So yeah, it's, um, it, it also reminds me of the, the saying within the black community, you know, you have to be twice as good to get half as much. That's even more the case for women rappers, Mm -hmm. especially black women rappers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in a recent profile in The Atlantic, one of hip hop's biggest critics, Dream Hampton, she was talking about all these prominent women in rap and hip hop right now. And she's like, I'm not sure if all of it's great. Like she talked about Cardi B and she said, actually, Cardi B is incredibly conventional. I don't cook. I don't clean. But let me tell you, I got this ring. Like Cardi B is performing womanhood in service of a man, Mm. her lover, her husband. And like a lot of what the most prominent women in hip hop have to do is perform their womanhood and perform their fun for the male gaze. Mm. Um, How true is that? Or are these actually women who are doing it for themselves and for other women? I feel like women have always had to do what they have to do in order to make it. And mm-hmm. if that means, you know, like a Trina working with a trick daddy. And having to deal with all of his antics. I think about them and I think about all the things that they've had to go through in order to get a voice and to, to be someone who can speak to the masses and change lives. When I think about all that, it just feels like a weight, you know, it feels mm. like a weight 
uh, on me to think about it. And if I'm feeling that way, I know it has to be a weight on them. So for these artists to, um, you know, create music that speaks to their personal lifestyles, if Cardi B is in love and head over heels for her husband, then that's her way of life. You know, if she, if she truly feels that way, if it's all performative, then that's another story. But, you know, if that's how she feels and that's how she wants to relay her lifestyle, then who are me to judge? I am just one person. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I do I do understand where Dream Hampton is coming from. I do understand her very, very um, wealthy investment into hip hop and all the work that she has done. But at the same time, I do acknowledge that like when I hear Megan talking about shaking ass and twerking and like having fun with her body. You know, when I spoke to Megan the first time, she told me that she doesn't want to rap about popping pills and killing people because that's not what she does. Mm. So, yeah. um, you know, so why can't she rap about what she likes to do? What she likes to do. Yeah. So yeah. that's when I when I hear a conversations like that, that's what I think about. I think Damn. about the lifestyles that these women are living and their freedom to to explain and to convey it in the way that they feel is accurate to them. Yeah. You know, on the one hand, hip hop seems to be a better place for women now because you have artists like Cardi and Megan and Doja succeeding. Mm -hmm. But the most prominent men in rap, they haven't been as supportive of women as you think they would be in 2023. When mm -hmm. I think about Drake, probably mm -hmm. the biggest rapper, male rapper of our current moment. It seems like every few months he says something that's kind of patently offensive to women, yeah. whether it's about Serena, whether it's about Megan. Mm -hmm. He's not someone who seems to be feminist in his lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I think about what Megan went through, even getting shot by another male rapper, Tory Lanez, even as women ascend in hip hop, the men aren't supporting them. Mm -hmm. Am I right to think that? And if so... What's up with that? Why? Mm -hmm. How? You're right. And it's very simple. They're haters. They <laughs> they they can't, they can't they cannot get over the fact that these women are having so much success that yeah. they are, you know, ascending on their own, that they mm -hmm. are touching lives in ways that they could only imagine. Mm. Um, these men are, to put it very frankly, they're boring um, compared to the women. And yes. <laughs> I'm not afraid yes. to say it because it's 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 a fact, uh, in my opinion. It's it's, yeah. it's very, very true. So I think men are looking at, you know, these, these up-and-coming women artists or these more established women artists, and they're seeing that they're connecting with their fans in the way that these men could never dream of. And they're like, well, how do I get that? I know I'll tear them down. And it's like, no, no, that's, that's not how that works. You just look like mm -hmm. the, the supreme hater that you are. And yes. it's like, it's a certain kind of person who doesn't see that. And I, I'll leave it at that because it's just the misogynoir of it all. It's just clear as day that mm -hmm. these artists, these male artists don't have, um, a fiber of anything that is even equivalent to respect for women. And that's yeah. that's heard in their lyrics, clearly. Um, and it's heard in the way that they present women in their music videos and their little documentaries and stuff like that. Um, it's very clear that they don't they don't have an iota of respect for women. And 
you know, hearing them and seeing them do these kinds of tangential things when it comes to like, you know, writing lyrics about how women ain't this, that, or the third, and then seeing how they operate in spaces with women or how they speak Mm -hmm. about women when they're at their concerts. Like Drake Mm -hmm. just, you know, had a moment, I think recently where he was like, oh, shout out to Meg. Oh, not that Meg, this Meg. And he's talking about somebody else. Shout out to Meg one time for real. And it's like, was that even necessary? Like, Come on, why are dude. you ta- yeah, why are you taking cheap shots as someone who is literally in the process of healing? So yeah, it just it's it's all very frustrating. Yeah. You know, what does it say about hip hop and whether it's going to move forward when it comes to how it treats women that Drake is still the biggest rapper in the country, in the world, in mm-hmm. spite of historically and systemically being mean to women. He's never stopped being kind of an asshole to women. And yet, tour still sold out, still got number one albums. People still love him. What does that say about hip-hop's fandom? Mm. That Drake still gets to be a misogynist and win? Mm -hmm. I think it says that we're in a stagnant place. Um, Mm. As much advancements and as much you know, as much as we've moved ahead of certain, you know, things that have held us back in hip hop, I do think that we're still very, very stuck in our ways. And, you know, I mean that in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, for one, Drake has been top man in the industry since at least 2009 and other people have come and gone, but he's always kind of been in the top one to three. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a matter of, Drake just being the the option that's always been in front of us and the person that has had success. So we're like, oh, well, he must be doing something right. We'll just keep, you know, we'll, we'll keep supporting him. And it's like, well, that's boring. And then on the other hand, I don't know, I feel like uh, it says quite a bit that people are not willing to really interrogate why they support Drake why they support mm. his music. I want us to really look at why we are saying that and why we feel that it's okay for him to be as big and as successful as he is, even though he is someone who has very blatantly been an asshole to women or been an asshole to queer people. Like I love McConan, who deserves so much more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have all these examples littered behind Drake as he traipses forward into this, you know, <laughs> this oblivion that we have no acknowledgement of. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just very it's it's a conundrum. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I keep thinking about how much things have changed but not changed. There's this review that Dream Hampton wrote back in 1996 mm-hmm. of a Nas album and a Jay-Z album at the same time. She reviewed it was written and reasonable doubt together. Mm -hmm. And in 96, she said of the state of hip hop that it was philosophically stuck on, quote, hypercapitalism, numbness, and cartoonist misogyny. Mm -hmm. And when I think of the most prominent male rappers of our day in 2023, they are still doing the same thing, even though we now have Cardi and Megan Mm -hmm. and women in the fold. Yeah. Knowing that, looking back on that, Are you hopeful about the next 50 years of hip hop? Mm. Because it feels like even though the women have risen to prominence, the men are still, let me say this nicely, shitheads. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, just, you know, you pointing that out, that Dream Hampton double review from 96 and her kind of illustration of what she heard, that I can I can think of 25 artists off the top of my head who are doing exactly that right now. Wow. It's very much still present. And I would hope, you know, and that's all I can do is hope and pray and wish <laughs> that things will start to to kind of turn a curve and start to evolve into this new thing, this new way of creating and bringing life to, to experiences that anybody can relate to. Thanks again to Kiana Fitzgerald, who happens to also be from my hometown, Seguin, Texas. Go Matadors! Uh, Kiana wrote a book called Ode to Hip Hop, 50 Albums That Define 50 Years of Trailblazing Music. In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples. Our lead producer is Taka Zen. Our engineer is Brandon McFarlane. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>